Amen. You know, the resurrection sets us apart from everyone else. I don't serve a dead God. Amen. If you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, come on now, neither do you. Everybody else serves a God that uh, serves a man or a God or something they call that that's dead and gone. And I serve a living God. And it's not just because I said so, it's because God said so himself. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6, please. I love... Again, I love talking about Easter and resurrection. I love talking about how sad it would have been to be a Sadducee and not believe in the, in the resurrection. They were sad, you see. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 6. But listen, there's easy parts of the Bible to preach. Resurrection's an easy part to preach. Most of... Uh, I mean, Christians all uh, proclaim that and, and love that and know it's true. And that's what, that's what uh, the reason we can be saved is that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. Amen? It's easy to, to preach the, the love of God what the choir sang about today. It's easy to, to, to talk about what, what John the Apostle uh, spoke to us about. The love, God is love. But I would not be the pastor that God has asked me to be. I would not be the preacher. I would not be what you want me to be and need, need me to be if I only preach those two things. The Word of God speaking to us about something very specific here. Listen here that we need to hear. We need to be reminded of. This morning, as we consider the, the text that Brother Williams read to us out of 2 Corinthians 6, I want you to consider who is speaking and to whom he's speaking to. This is Paul the Apostle speaking to the Corinthians, meaning the people that are saved in Corinth, the church there at Corinth. Corinth was a place in Greece. It was a city that was located on a small land bridge. When you think about the large land mass of Greece and then there's a smaller one underneath of it, they're both pretty large and there's a land bridge that connects the two. It's not very big. Corinth was located on that land bridge. Water came in from the east and from the west and met at the land bridge. Without, uh, without meeting there, they'd have to sail down and around the bottom of Greece and come up the other side. A lot of Europe and a lot of Asia would meet there. Good trading spot, place that sailors would be and, and merchantmen would be, and, and, and you wanted to buy, sell, or trade something, it was a place you could go. It was a, it was a, a well known port city. It was controlled by the Roman government in this time. Rome had conquered it and taken control of it. And so there were Romans there, but there was also Jews there. And Jews, had, during the persecution uh, in Jerusalem and the persecution in Rome, uh, many had fled to the city of Corinth. Other people, there was all kinds of different religions there. It was a very diverse city. Diverse kinds of uh, uh, places that people come from and a diverse in the area of religion. There was lots of temples and places of worship in the city of Corinth. 
Places of worship like uh, worshiping the god uh, Apollo, right? The, uh, that, uh, of light and all of that, right? Uh, the, the one of Poseidon, right? Of the sea. And all these, these gods that the Greeks and, and all that would worship. There was, there was a temple to Aphrodite, right? The goddess of love. If you can consider what might take place around a temple to the goddess of love. There, in fact, were a thousand priestesses that was, it would see this temple was on a mount north of the city just a little bit, and those priestesses would come down in the evening, would avail them, it would make themselves available to the people below in the name of this goddess Aphrodite. It was a wicked place. It was a place of many gods, uh, of all kinds of beliefs, of all kinds of background. It was a sinful, wicked place. It was not a place with a, uh, that you, you wouldn't want to be known as a Corinthian girl. Not at all. It was a place of wicked reputation. Business was good there, obviously, because it was a port city. Paul would have done well there in making his tents and selling them there and witnessing in the marketplace. But it was still a very wicked, wicked place. Paul reminds these people where they come from uh, when he's writing to them in the first letter of the Corinthians. In chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians, he says this, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Watch this now. And such were some of you. But ye are washed. But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. He's talking to these Christians in this wicked city. And he says, yes, you were of that city. You were of that crowd. You were wicked. You were of those kind of people. But you are saved. You're different now. That's what the choir opened the the service with, didn't it? It's different now since Jesus saved my soul. You're different. You're set apart. Consecrated for the Lord. He cleansed you by the shedding of His blood on Jesus Christ. On on the cross of Jesus Christ, right? Amen? Amen? And when you called upon Jesus Christ for salvation, God said, let that blood go for His account and I see you justified in my sight. Just as if I had never sinned. And God did that for me and he did that for you. Praise God. And these people of Corinth, Paul has to remind them of that. Yes, you live in a very wicked and and wretched place. A place of sin all around you. But you stand apart because you are mine bought with a price. Amen? That's what he's preaching to them right now. Praise God, we need to hear that. It don't matter what city we're talking about in the United States of America anymore. We need to hear it. The filth that goes on all around us. Right down on the old streets. Right there in our workplaces. And even sometimes in our own home. 
God's calling us out here. Jesus died for these people of Corinth just like he died for all the world. He died for the one who has uh, had to step over people that were drunk this morning to get to church. He died for those people. He, had to, he died for the people that, uh, that uh, were running around last night doing all kinds of wickedness as well as he died for the person that's been in church their whole life and, and has tried to live clean. He died for both. Amen? Amen. Praise God, both can be saved. It's not by your works. It's by Jesus Christ. And he can, he can save you if you just ask. But here, he's not cutting, Paul's not cutting the Corinthians any slack. He says, I, it doesn't, he said, you live in a world of, of filth, in a city of filth, and I'm calling you out to be holy. That's what he's saying right there. I'm calling you out to be holy because you are of God, and God said it. He said, I didn't say it, God said it. God, of course, demanding righteousness. Let's look at our text here, and let's go back a few verses. This is 2 Corinthians 6. And look at verse 14, please. Often folks look at this verse and they read it and they associate it with marriage. Now it can be associated with marriage, but it, it's much more than that. Look what the Bible says here. This is 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. But be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen. Right? Let me read it again. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Think about a yoke, two animals teaming up together, yoked together, pulling and dragging a, a, a plow behind them or whatever they're working on. Amen? In the Old Testament, God said, don't put the oxen and, and the donkey together. Two different types of animals, two different sizes, two different pulling strengths, two different things. He said, don't do it together. He's teaching us that in the Old Testament. He's teaching it to us right here. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? I love the picture he's painting here. How does light and darkness dwell together? It doesn't. Even in a black, pitch black room, a little candle sure makes that darkness flee, doesn't it? When God said, let there be light, then he divided the light from the darkness. Why? Because it can't dwell together. And he's using that illustration there for you and me. Look as he keeps going here, verse 15. And what concord with Christ uh, hath Christ with Belial? Or what hath he that believeth with an infidel? Let's understand these words. That word Belial, it's capitalized there. It is actually another name for Satan. And it means worthlessness. The one who is worthy of it all, Christ. What, what communion, what concord, what, what uh, agreement hath he with Belial? And then it says infidel. That word infidel is an interesting word. The word for believer in the New Testament, and let me, let me get this right. Let me look. Uh, I wrote it here in my notes. It's the, word, the Greek word pistos, P-I-S-T-O-S. I might be pronouncing it wrong. I read it in a book. I didn't hear it. All right. Uh, P-I-S-T-O-S. It's a Greek word. And that's the word for believer. Infidel is if you take that word, pistos, and you put an A in front of it. You with me? What happens when we put an A in front of a word? It means the opposite, doesn't it? 
So believer and infidel mean complete opposites. What he's saying is, is those that follow Jesus Christ and those that don't, what agreement do they have? Amos said that very thing. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? Isn't that what he said? That's what he said. That's what he said. The word, many of us, we hear the word atheist. We know what that means because we hear it and we read it and people say it, they quote it. Atheist is a word with an A in front of it. Theist means to believe in God. And atheist is the opposite, to not believe in God. We understand these things, we just don't think about them often. Notice what the Word of God says here, verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? Can you imagine the temple of God in the Old Testament? Wow. Built for God's glory. And God said, I will put my name there. And I'll put my presence there with the Ark of the Covenant. Behind that curtain of Holy of Holies. Right? Amen. He says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. Right? In other words, they're getting right with God. They're coming back and confessing their sin. He said, I will answer that. I will heal their land. I will forgive them their sins. Praise God. He said, I'll meet with them there. Can you imagine the temple of God set apart sacred for that purpose? And somebody setting up a false idol, a God to a false, uh, an idol to a false God. Can you imagine that? You know, my Bible talks about how uh, the temple of God was put before some idols, some false idols in over there in the Philistines. Do you see what have you read, read about that? Have you read that? See what God did to those things? Knocked it over and head was off and everything else. God doesn't, God doesn't stand for that. And can you imagine setting up idol worship in a place sacred? Can you imagine right this morning having an idol in this place that is set apart for God's glory and to preach Him and Him only? Great application here just for a minute. What kind of idols we got up here? What kind of idols we got right here? Right here. Come on now. You know what the thing is though? You know who the temple of God is? What the temple of God is? It's me. This is the church. This is the church building. We are the church. The group of be- believers that have come out of the world, called, uh, saved, called out from the world, we're the church. But God says in His Word multiple times that I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost because He resides within me. Look at the Word. Look at the Scripture here. He says, in what agreement, verse 16, hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. I'm the temple. Not some place, not some group of people, but me because the Holy Spirit of God lives right here. And God's saying, I live within you. Be holy as I am holy. Be separate. Listen, I understand this is not one of those kumbaya messages where we're all going to hug each other and slap each other in the back and, hey, all is well and we're going to leave here. But this is the truth of the Word of God that we need to hear this morning. 
Can I tell you this? The Woolard household needs to hear it. Because we're sinners. And we live in a sinful world and we need to be set apart. Because God told us to be. Amen? Now, if you're not saved this morning, you need to get saved. That's where it starts. You can't just start doing right one day because you, you choose to and think that's going to make a difference. You've got to get saved. You need to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about repenting of your sin, turning from your way. It's not about your way. It's about Jesus Christ. And say, Lord, without you, I can do nothing. I'm, I'm nobody. I need to be saved. And if that's you today, if you don't know about, if you died this morning where you'd spend eternity, in just a moment, I give you an opportunity to learn and how to get saved. But th- this morning, for you, those of us that are saved, God is calling us out right now. He's calling us out. Be ye separate, he says. Let's keep, keep going in the word of God here. Verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. What does that mean? I think we all can understand what separate means. What does that mean? Is not holding hands with, with the heathen. Walking with, we, how, again, Amos said, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? When, when one person has a spirit of God that is convicting them of sin and teaching them what is right and what is holy and another person doesn't, there's going to be some disagreements along the way. Amen? Amen. Be careful about going into business with unbelievers because you just don't know. Be careful of that stuff. He says don't be unequally yoked. Amen? Why? Because you're serving two different things. One of you is supposed to be serving God and the other of you doesn't understand all that because they're not even saved. Let's be cautious. Let's be cautious on this thing. Now we can talk about the marriage thing. That's often how this is applied, application here. It's not the only time, but it it is often applied that. Why does a believer have any business marrying an unbeliever? How are you going to raise your children when daddy doesn't believe this, but mommy does? Talking about children that are unstable and messed up on that thing. God says, don't be unequally yoked. We got to be cautious and careful in these things. Notice what the word of God says in verse 17. It's the most important part, I think, of this verse. It says, wherefore, come out from among them. Look at this. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. I underline those words there, saith the Lord. Why? Because it's not what my preacher preached to me when I was under him. It's not what Brother Williams is preaching today. It's not what any one of these men are preaching today. And it's not what your Sunday school teacher said today. It's what God said. He said, you're different and you ought to be that way. What happens is we're, we're so used to, we, we want to fit in. I, I want to be liked. I appreciate it when you like me. <laughs> Amen. But God says, don't fit in. Why why should you look like everybody else and sound like everybody else? You don't need to fit into the crowd. You know what he told the Jews in the Old Testament? He said, you take blue ribbons and tie them on all four, on on the shoulders out here, on the corners of your garment, and on the bottom of the corners of your garment, so that you stand apart and you look different. That's what he told them. Read it, it's in the law there. He said, you look different than the world, that when you're coming from afar, they can tell that you are my people. We're not supposed to fit in. We're supposed to be apart. <gasps> I can't believe what you're saying. You mean when I go down here to this Wally Mart down here and I go shopping, everybody's going to know that I'm a Christian? 
Bless God. Amen. Because that's what God says. You mean that when I'm like in school, you know, this week and, and uh, all these guys, you know, over here, they're talking about all this and, and, and this and locker room talk and all this, that, that I'm, I'm going to look odd? Yeah. Yeah. So God says, he says, the world thinks it's foolishness what you're preaching. Yeah. The world thinks it's foolishness, but it's the power of God. Amen? And those friends of yours need to get saved. How are they going to get saved if you look like them and act like them and never open your mouth for the glory of God? Come on now. Amen? Sometimes we have the hardest time with that with our own family, don't we? Oh man, we get together with family and we know we believe this and we do this and all that. And we're in church, amen, and, but we get together for a little bit of holiday and family time and we don't open our mouth a single time. And those are the people that we say we love, flesh and blood, and we're going to let them die and go to hell. Lord, help us please to have boldness to share the gospel and to stand apart for Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, preacher, I won't be in church tonight. I got family coming over. Stand apart. That's what God's asking. You mean you want me to come to church and tell my relatives that just drove eight hours that I can't stay with them in fellowship? Bring them with you. There's a reason why God told us to do what we're doing. Stand apart. And he said it. I didn't. And he says, touch not the unclean thing. Yeah, there's some things we are to not be a part of. Amen? I understand the message I'm preaching to you today. I know it's hard in 2023 sometimes to choose what is right and what is holy and look different than the world and sound different than the world and dress different than the world and all these things. But God is asking us to do it. He's asking us to do it. And look at verse number, look at verse number 18. And he says, or the end of verse 17, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. You'll be accepted in my sight. He's not talking about do this and be saved. We understand when we compare scripture. That's not how you get saved. But he's talking to believers here. He's talking to Christians in the church of Corinth. And he says, you belong to me. It's time you look like it. It's time you act like it. That's what he's saying here. Wouldn't it be great? If Americans looked and sounded like Americans and believed what Americans used to believe 50 and 60 and 70 years ago. I stand out because I stand for that flag that's waving. Praise God for it. Because that's my flag because I'm a red-blooded American male. And I'm proud of it. Amen. And I stand apart in an international crowd because... I'm an American. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't want to hide in there. Now sometimes in certain situations and different times of, of life, and, and you know me, I, 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 I desired military, but I was not allowed with, with my health and all those things. I've never been in some situations as some of you all have who've had to take some, some big stands and fight for freedoms, and thank you for doing that. Praise God for that. But I'm still an American and I believe in it. And I'm going to st- stand and be an American. Amen? 
Why would that be any different as a Christian? We're talking about eternity. We're talking about Jesus Christ saved my soul from a literal eternal place of damnation. And he said, I died for you. Would you at least live for me? And this little bit of life that I gave you on this earth, would you live for me? That's what he's asking us. Be ye separate. Be ye separate. Amen and amen. First Peter says this, Wherefore, gird up your loins of your mind and be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, watch us now, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Amen? Amen. Amen and amen. We know these things, but we need the reminder. We want uh, too often, church, let, let's be real for a minute. Too often we get complaining about the way our country is, don't we? Some things that are going on in our country and the sin that we uh, have, have really been accustomed to, been, been made to be accustomed to over the last couple decades. You know, I'm talking about this filth of, uh, of all this sin in the world, homosexuality and everything else, and killing babies and everything. Just, <gasps> People used to, to, I can't believe that's going on, and now we've ex- we accept it. It's on every television show, it's in every book, it's in every school, it's in everything. That we've, uh, we've been the frog in the frying pan for a long time, haven't we? Yes, we have. And we complain and we talk about those things, and we say, I can't believe where our country is headed and what's going on. But what business do we have complaining about our country when we ourselves won't even get holy and right in our own mind and heart before God? God's calling us out today. He's saying to believers today, be ye holy for I am holy. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Oftentimes individual families want Want the church, hey, why, why is the church doing this? And why isn't this right? And why is that right? Again, what business we got when we're not holy? Jesus Christ, of course, said that, you know, you take that beam out of your own eye. Amen. It's my responsibility to walk holy before God. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, Let's get, let's get real. Let's get down right where the rubber meets the road for a minute, folks. We're all, we're all flesh and blood in here. It's easy to have character when we're sitting among our friends and Christians right here in, in church, isn't it? It's easy to, to, to do what's right. But when we're by ourselves and nobody's looking, that's where our character's tested. Many of us are... Doing taxes and trying to do that thing. I wonder if we're doing right and holy before God with, with money and taxes. Is that, is that, oh my, he's talking about money now. <gasps> are we, are we not, is that absent from being right and holy before God? He didn't say, come out and be, uh, be separate and be holy uh, uh, except for in money. He didn't say that. He said, do right. 
If I'm not mistaken, I just come across it in my Bible reading this week. And Jesus said, you pay under Caesar what is Caesar's and under God what's God's. Now, I don't agree with every place my dollar goes. But I am an American. And I'm supposed to do right by my taxes. How'd you get on that, preacher? I don't know. I guess the Spirit of God gave it to me. It's in March. Amen. Let's do right. Come on. Smile a little bit. It's not hard to do right. You just got to do it. Sometimes it's a little bit challenging when, we, when we're like, well, I could do that. Because we're tempted of, and it was sin and all those things. My Bible says in, in Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. So what are we doing? What are we doing? Turn over with me if you would. Leave your finger here. Leave a little marker there or something. We'll be right back. And I'm just about wrapped up. I want to show you a little bit of scripture here. And we'll be done. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Just go on to the right. 2 Timothy. If you hit Hebrews, back up a little bit. 2 Timothy. Look at chapter 2, please. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm preaching this message because this is what God gave me today. I'm not preaching this message because I've heard stuff and what I'm thinking this and what I'm seeing there and what all this stuff. I'm preaching this message because this is what God gave me. Now, whatever sin and whatever things are going on in your life and God's stepping on your toes and convicting you, get right before God. I don't know what it is. It's not for me to know all that stuff. What it is for me to do is preach the truth that God's asked me to preach. And let's get right. That means the preacher too. That means me. If I've got some things in my heart that aren't right, I need to get on this altar and beg God to forgive my sin and turn from that wretched stuff. It don't matter if we're talking about filth that we'd be ashamed that everybody knows about or if we're talking about just a thought of pride. It's all wretched sin and we got to turn from it. Amen? Amen. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 here and look with me please if you would verse 19. Verse 19. 2 Timothy 2.19, the Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are His. Praise God. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. What's it say? Once you read that for me, let's start with and. Let's start with and and go to the end of the verse. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Be ye holy. He keeps going here. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth and some to honor and some to dishonor. He's talking about us. He's saying among the church, there's vessels, there's us, we're supposed to be used of God, we're supposed to be empty before Him and, and allow Him to fill us and use us. And there are some vessels that are honorable and some that are dishonorable because of what they've had in them. Yeah. Some of you all have some really nice glasses that you like to use for company coming over. And some of you have a little throwaway cup that you use to scoop the dog food out of the, out of the bag. You know what I'm talking about. Smells, you ever smell it? Listen, there's vessels of honor and there's vessels of dishonor. I would, I would hope that if you invited me over to your house, you wouldn't give me the cup that you've been scooping all the cat and dog food with. 
I'm a nobody, but, but you understand, you come to my house, you ain't, get, you ain't getting that. You with me now? You understand what we're saying. That's what God's talking about here. If a man therefore purge himself from these, from what? From the iniquity that he's asking us to depart from. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And then look at the first phrase of verse 22. Flee also youthful lusts. Amen? Amen. 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 I'm going to go back to the passage in 2 Corinthians. I'm going to read one verse. We finished up chapter 6. I'm going to read the first verse of chapter 7. The Bible says right here, Having therefore these promises. What promises? Well, the end of chapter 6. Okay, Paul wrote this as a letter. He didn't write the letter and say, Chapter 7. We put that in there to help us find verses. He wrote this as a letter. And he got done talking about how God has received us. He's called us his children, sons and daughters. And then he gets into verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. It doesn't matter if we're newly saved in here, and it doesn't matter if we've been saved for 60 years or more, whatever the case is. It doesn't matter if we, if we look just right this morning or if we've got marks of sin on us. It don't matter. God says, I want you to be holy. You don't have to live a life of dishonesty. You don't have to. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Choose what is right. You don't have to live a, a life of, of filth and junk and, and what this world is cramming down our throat every time we turn on some kind of entertainment, a sensual lifestyle. You don't have to live that. God gave a beautiful thing with something called marriage. Love it and enjoy it. It's beautiful. We don't need the junk that this world's got because it's all fake anyway. Amen. It's all fake. So I'm glad somebody's with me. Amen. Now listen here. Listen here. You don't have to live that way. You don't have to have that stuff. You don't have to invite that in your home and in your family. Live right and holy before God because He's asked us to. Come out from among them and be separate. Don't fit in. Be what God wants you to be. Now here it is. Christians, let's get right. And those that aren't sure about being a Christian, those that aren't sure about heaven and hell and all that, let's come and, and let's meet the Savior at His Word and say, I need to get saved. These Christians, these Christians in Corinth here got saved and then God called them to come out of their sin. Come out of that lifestyle. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, help us today, please. Thank you for the message at hand, God. I don't know why... You chose that for this week. I don't know why you chose that for this morning, but I needed the reminder. I needed to hear it. God, too often I don't openly in my lifestyle show all kinds of wretched sin, but sometimes, Lord, in my heart there harbors a thought. There harbors some dishonesty. There harbors some pride. There harbors some things. God, that oftentimes my flesh is tempted in this area or that area. God, help me to be right and clean and open before a holy God. Help me, Lord, to do right. 
Lord, whatever sin that is of, uh, in our lives that we're holding on to that you're convicting us about, may we come and do business with God. May we be doers of the word and not hearers only, as James said. Lord, please, that we not let it go in one ear and out the other, but God, we would do something about it. If we don't make a change, we'll always be what we've always been. Sinful, wretched people. Help us, Lord, to get right before a holy God and enjoy that abundant life that you have promised us. Please. Lord, I know it in my life, and I thank you for it. Bless us now in this invitation, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.